So the voice of God is still a mystery that I'm pursuing, figuring out what it means to hear that God speaks. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of His children. What God has done for our storytellers, He lives to do for you. All right. Hey, everybody. It's Brooke and Adam, and we're back with another story. Hey, hey, hey. This week, we have a story from our friend Chris. Should we tell the uh, listeners how we know Chris? Yeah, we know Chris from... uh, a church that we're going to, and it's an Anglican church, and he's a priest. Yeah. So that's new for us. It's <laughs> really new for us. But we like it. Yeah, we like it a lot. And we're in good company too, because the Anglicans uh, include C.S. Lewis. Oh. And Beth Moore now. Yeah, come on, Beth Moore. So, all right. So that's enough of an intro. <laughs> Without further ado, you are listening to Chris's story: beauty, truth, and goodness. My name is Chris Myers. Uh, I live here in East Dallas with my wife and two daughters. I'm a pastor, an Anglican priest at a church called St. Bartholomew's uh, Anglican Church that I helped plant about eight years ago. So I was thinking about um, just experiences of God or ways that God's moved in my life. And I just kept coming back to, I've always struggled with people saying, I heard God say, or God said, this or that and I grew up in a Christian home amazing Christian parents who I was talking with them recently my mom said this she that they really had become Christians right before I was born she just said you know when we were raising you we were just baby Christians ourselves and I never really thought about about that because you just think of your parents as so much older and wiser than you in the context that I grew up in, there was just a lot of confidence around people saying, well, I heard God say, or God said, and that there was no qualification around it or nuance or maybe even explanation of what that meant or what the experience was like. And I never could figure out what people meant by that. (laughs) Um, So I've spent a lot of my life actually kind of thinking about that question when we say God speaks or I heard God and what is it that we're really talking about? And for me, I don't know. It's like you almost have to learn to speak God yourself, that language. I mean, there's part around around it of like understanding that the scriptures matter, obviously, and that you have to have a relationship um, with God. But there's a there's a quietness to it and an intimacy to it that didn't necessarily come through or I didn't hear when I was growing up and I kind of had to go on my own journey to find it. And I was just thinking about being in high school and I had this particular teacher, Mr. Biggers, who taught American literature and he taught humanities to seniors. And that humanities class in particular, he took us through basically the history of Western culture and Western art, music, literature, painting, sculpture, architecture, and really the history of Western art is the history of Christianity. And it was like this way of smuggling in the way that God had inspired or spoken to, however you want to put it, artists, um, to bring these things into the world. 
uh, that have such beauty and resonance across centuries. And I was just immediately pulled into that world. He, um, he always took a group of seniors on a trip to Europe in the summer. And I worked this, uh, I worked at customer service job at a department store called Steinmart. I think there used to be one here in Dallas and I saved up all this money so I could go on this trip, a 25 day trip to Europe to go see in person, all this stuff that we had been learning about. And there were so many experiences on that trip where you would walk into a place because so many of these pieces of art are in churches or in sacred spaces and just having a sense of the presence of God or what I would say now is that God was wooing me or speaking to me through, through, through the art. And there was one particular moment when we were in Florence, I was sitting with a friend um, and my teacher, Mr. Biggers came up and said, Hey, I have these extra tickets to this exhibition at the Medici home do you want to go? And I didn't know what it was, but I just said yes. And then we go into the Medici Palace and then we go down into this basement and there are these drawings on the wall. And I'm like 12 inches away from these drawings on the wall. And these were drawings that Michelangelo had done in preparation for the Sistine Chapel. And maybe it was just the proximity of it. Maybe it was the surprise of it, but it was just a very overwhelming moment. Um, and again, I would say that was probably maybe the voice of God um, just connecting to me, with me through beauty. And that's just been a huge part of my story. And one of the ways that I try to talk about God or is to use art or to talk about music because it's been such a powerful connection point for me and what I ended up studying, literature, and, you know, ended up writing a PhD about a theologian whose whole entry point into theology is beauty it was like I was trying to backtrack to this original starting point of like what is the voice of God and and how do we hear it and um, how do we interact with it and how do we dialogue with God through what he's saying and so that that's been kind of a thread for me just experiencing God through art and just as I've studied more literature a poetry in particular, or there's so many stories of people being converted to the faith through beauty and that beauty is sort of bound up with truth and goodness. And I think I had an intuitive sense of that. And now studying theology more formally, realizing that with Plato and then on through Augustine and Aquinas and all these great figures in Christian tradition, they've always insisted that truth, beauty, and goodness are bound together. And I think I always thought of the voice of God as about just hearing the truth. And it's, it is that, it certainly is that, but if it's, if truth is also bound up with goodness and beauty, then hearing the voice of God can also be through an experience of beauty or experience of goodness and it's like it validated all that experience that I had because I don't know that I had a way to talk about it. I mean, you talk to artistic people and they kind of know what you're talking about, but then the spiritual part of it gets a little bit fuzzy <laughs> and vague. Like, well, what is this? Well, I don't know, but it feels like inspiration or it feels like God or, or whatever. Um, so the interesting kind of coda to a lot of this is I ended up moving back. I left Amarillo where I grew up 
for college and for grad school. And then I lived in New York city for a while and ended up coming back for, um, just some different reasons, but was teaching in high school and was attending the church that I grew up in because the school was a part of the church and I had made some friends and we were, I was playing in a worship band and, and there was this new year's service that we were having the week of new year's. And there were like 2,500 people in the room and the senior pastor, uh, after the worship time, uh, asked me to stand up in the middle of the crowd. And this was like my living nightmare. Um, cause I just remember growing up when this would happen, when they would give prophetic words. And so he had a prophetic word for me and, um, there's just so much wrapped up in this that kind of ties it together that, and it, it, there's almost a humor in it because I was so terrified of those things or I was thought that they were so vague or whatever, but he stands me up and he prefaces what he says by like saying, Hey, I've known you your whole life. I don't know what this means, but, and when he said, I don't know what this means, but I was paying attention because it was like, I could tell whatever he was sensing was not something he was making up. And the thing that he said was, it was like you were born in the wrong spiritual country and that you've been searching for people who speak your spiritual language and God is leading you into a place in a season where you'll find people who speak your spiritual language. And then he broke like one of the rules of giving prophetic words, I don't know, which is uh, no mates or dates. You know, you don't say that there's going to be a, a, a spouse or a mate or what date something. He said, you're going to meet a girl and all this stuff. So I was, you know, I was pretty shaken by that, but, but that what he said about being born in the wrong spiritual country and the idea of like, that there's another spiritual language that other people speak and it's the language that you speak. And it was like this validation by God that I had felt like I was outside. Um, and it was kind of a yes and to that. Yeah, you have, but there's something else was the and. But then it really t- tied a bow on it, just thinking, oh, there are different spiritual languages um, and different ways that God speaks to people. And the, you know, the, the punchline to that whole prophetic word is I did pretty soon after that start dating the woman who became my wife, and she was sitting three rows behind me at that place. I didn't really know at that time that she was going to be that person. Um, but we moved to Dallas. I came to seminary and through that, you know, ended up meeting these Anglican church planters and really found a spiritual home, people who spoke my spiritual language. And I remember telling my dad that I was thinking about becoming an Anglican priest. And he was like, well, that makes sense. You've been an Anglican since you were four years old. And he didn't mean it literally. It was just a joke that there was like that sense of that you, I was looking for something else and that God sort of used all these different things to lead me to um, the right spiritual country and the people who spoke the, the spiritual language that, that I could speak. So that's kind of what God's voice sounds to me like now. And I think it's the same for anybody because it's, especially as I read like spiritual writers throughout the Christian tradition nobody is born fluent in that language of the spiritual language and that you have to move deeply into it and you have to be quiet and um, you have to be open and, and curious to hearing what God might be saying 
Um, and then even that, to say that God's voice is like a metaphor is not to reduce it at all because that actually helps me because I always thought people meant they literally heard the voice of God. And sometimes people say that they have that experience and I don't, you know, I don't have any reason to doubt that sometimes people hear what they take to be an audible voice, but usually it's more intuitive. It's more impressionistic. It's more, um, improvisational and it has all these qualities of creativity. It has these qualities of art. So it makes sense to me that God used art as a way to kind of open me up to a different way of thinking about, um, about that. And part of what I recognize in studying the Bible is maybe something that's so obvious that we don't ever think about it, which is that it's literature, that the Bible is literature. Um, it is the word of God, but it became so fascinating to me to think about the form in which he gave it to us. That was, you know, another piece of the the beauty puzzle. And I remember being in class studying in particular um, Luke chapter 24, Jesus's walk on the road to Emmaus um, with the two disciples after the resurrection, and they don't recognize him. And just that simple fact alone, I don't know, it brings me deep comfort that we can be walking along the way with Jesus and that he could be a stranger to us, <laughs> that there's times in our lives where he comes alongside of us and that he's a stranger and that what happens for them can happen for us is that it's you understand it retrospectively, that they look back after everything that's unfolded and they're like, oh yeah, he was with us. And, and what Jesus does is he opens the scriptures to them and he tells the story of himself through the story of the scriptures. And that became such a huge motivation for me for the way I wanted to study the scriptures, the way that I wanted to preach the scriptures, the ways in which they pointed to Jesus. But then this, but when I was coming into a more liturgical sacramental tradition, when I was becoming Anglican, it was the second part of the story that became so resonant, which is they get to the house and he shares a meal with them and he takes, and it's the movements of the last supper. It's the movements of the feeding of the 5,000 is that he takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it and gives it. And it's in that moment that their eyes are open and that they recognize him as for who he is. So there's this moment of revelation. There's this epiphany of who Christ is as the resurrected Lord. But the thing that they say afterwards, they say two things. One is he was, it says he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So Jesus gives us this meal, not, not, not just a set of propositions, but a beautiful thing, a meal um, to make himself known to us. And then when they're walking back, they say, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened the word? So the word and the sacraments going together is, is for me, maybe a way to think about, to talk about it or the way that I've thought about it is that relationship between word and sacrament is really that same relationship between truth, beauty, and goodness. And that God gives us his word and he gives us the table as places where he promises to encounter us. And the spirit inspires the, the scriptures, the scriptures speak God's voice to us. But then the table, he says, you know, I'll be made known to you in the breaking of the bread. And there's something deeply beautiful about that and that it's not just a set of propositions. Even the Bible, yes, there's 
ethical content. <laughs> There's Ten Commandments. There's all those things. But so much of it, we only understand what it is by wrestling with it, by reading it, by encountering it anew all the time, asking for God to speak with a living voice through it. He gave us a beautiful book, and then he gave us this beautiful meal, and that his goodness and his truth come to us through the, the form of the beautiful thing. Yeah, so the voice of God is still a mystery that I'm pursuing, figuring out what it means to hear that God speaks. And the spiritual masters of the Christian tradition tell us that you find that voice in silence, which is a fascinating paradox, is that to hear a voice, you have to be quiet. So that's where I think the beauty is taking me now, is into some quiet. All right, so that was Chris's story, and I think you know the deal by now. Is it the deal or the drill? The deal. The drill sounds like a negative. Mm. You know the deal. You know the deal. <laughs> the deal's like. I think it. I think it works either way. Well, the drill would be more like road construction or something. <laughs> you know, eat your peas. That's the drill. Eat your peas. Like do something that you really don't want to do. Mm. Um, you know, the deal would be more like, oh yeah, I'm getting a deal, and that's a good thing. So I know the deal. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the story, which is Chris's story. And oh my gosh, so good. There are so many just really profound nuggets of wisdom. I love how Chris loves the arts and how he can see so much of God through the arts. Like that's how God speaks to him. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think that so many people miss that. I do like that idea of the beauty, truth, and goodness mm. being the voice of God. Like you can hear voice, God's voice through those three expressions. Yeah. And because uh, you, know, you think about when somebody does something that's sacrificial, it's... That goodness mm. is like, wow, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. It is, um, can feel pretty supernatural. And then I feel like I've heard God's voice before and it's been really powerful. Um, I've certainly told stories of others that have had that experience. And, and then the art one is a little bit, I can't think of really any other people that have talked about experiencing God through art. Yeah. But I've certainly mo been moved by art. Oh my gosh. But yes. I've never, I guess I've never really connected the the dots that that is an expression of God. Like, Well, and it makes sense though, doesn't it? Like he is the creator. Mm -hmm. So he is creativity. All creativity comes from him. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that that is a stream in which he would speak. I also liked what Chris said um, about like... Uh, did, what did he call it, a foreign land? The prophetic word. Well, yeah, like the prophetic word. They said that you're going to be called to like a foreign land or something like that. Uh, I think he said you're in the wrong spiritual country. Yeah, that's it. Wrong spiritual country. Um, and then when he, when all the pieces came together, he felt like he was at home. Mm -hmm. Like he felt like he just fit. And... I think that 
there's something really powerful and really beautiful in that. Because how many people walk around just feeling like, I don't fit, I don't mm-hmm. belong. Like I haven't found my people or somehow, some way, I just don't fit in. Like as a mother of high schoolers, um, I know very keenly how kiddos feel like they just don't fit in. And then when you, you know, do anything new, whether it's moving to a new neighborhood or um, starting a new church, you, 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 we all long to belong. You mm-hmm. know, we want to, to find a connection with other people. And I think it's so beautiful that that powerful word kind of reached so deeply into his soul and was like, I know you're looking for a place to belong and I've got you. And I just think that is the sweetest word that probably the Lord is longing to speak over so many people of, I see you and you fit with me because I made you. Mm. You fit. I'm your people. I just love that. Mm. That's good. Well, do you have anything else? Oh, there's one more thing for me. Mm -hmm. When he was talking about that Jesus could be a stranger to you. Oh, yeah. I thought there's there's a lot of parallels or, or a lot of um, um, I thought of two different things. I guess I'll say it that way. One would be often when people share their testimony, they they'll say, you know, looking back, I can see you know God's hand on my life. Mm. And then the other thing I was thinking about is like if you've ever experienced any kind of like heart healing or inner healing you can revisit memories and invite Jesus into those memories and ask him where he was Mm. and how that can be really healing Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Like he can transform painful memories so that you have a new story to tell. Um, So I thought both of those um, are applicable to that road to Emmaus. Yeah, so good. Um, Didn't our hearts burn, you know, like... Mm. So I've never heard anybody talk about the road to Emmaus in that in that forum. And yeah, same. That was so good. It's oh, pretty cool. Very insightful. It gives me a lot to ponder and chew on in um, in my silence as well. Yeah. All right. I think that about does it. I um, think that does it. Hey, it, here's a here's a little plug. If you're ever in the Dallas area and you are looking for a church, come by St. Bart's. Um, We'd love to see you. It's a great, it's a sweet, sweet, sweet little church with an amazing, amazing body of people. Yep. All right. We love you guys. Have a great day. With every episode, we encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. 
Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.